You are listening to the Restoration LA podcast. For more, visit us at restorationla.org. All right. We are going to kick off a new series today. Um, And this series is actually going to be a three-month series, which is uh, pretty awesome. But it's going to come in in sections. And so this we are going to be doing a series on the Trinity. So it's going to be God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And we're going to spend a month on each of, of the Godhead. And so we are going to kick off today part one of God the Father. And um, I want to pray before I begin to talk and just, just ask that the Holy Spirit be with us, that um, his words and, and his spirit will move as he is using me to speak and that everything that he wants to be said will be said today. Amen. Lord, we come before you and we are thankful and privileged that we get to connect with you and know you as father. God, we ask that your spirit will be amongst us that as we open up your word and as this word comes to life to us, that it'll change what it needs to change. It will affirm what needs to be affirmed. It will reveal what needs to be revealed. And I pray the result of all of it will be deep connection with you. Authentic, real connection. We thank you for your son who came and revealed every aspect of who you are. We thank you for your spirit spirit of truth, a spirit that, that cuts in like a two-edged sword or that divides bone from marrow and it, and it gets to the heart of things. Thank you, God the Father. Thank you, God the Son. Thank you, God the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Um, let's start in John 14. John 14, chapter... Yes, sorry. Um, I'm reminded that I, I forgot to take the offering because I'm not a really good pastor. So um, we'll do it after. <laughs> so, um, yeah, maybe, uh, never mind. John 14, verse 6. Jesus says this, this powerful thing, and, it, and you, you have to hear it in original language. So, so a lot of times... The English language doesn't do justice to the the Hebrew or Greek language that was used at the time. It meant so much different. It meant, it it was such a difference speaking to an ancient Palestinian people to hear what God was saying through Jesus. And Jesus told a man this, listen, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And I want to start this series by letting us know that Jesus is the gateway to God the Father. There's going to be many times in this series that you're going to hear us speaking. I'm going to be speaking about God the Father, but you're going to hear a whole lot about Jesus. And you're going to be hearing a whole lot about his spirit because you cannot separate the Trinity. You cannot separate God the Father from God the Son. You cannot separate God the Son from God the Spirit. The three are in one. And so you're going to hear a lot of intermingling. You're going to be like, but I thought we were speaking about God the Father. And we are, 
but I want us to know that it, they are inseparable in every way. So don't be confused as you're hearing me speak about Jesus who came to reveal who the Father is to us. Amen? Verse 7, Jesus says this, if, he had, if you had really known me, if you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. And from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. And Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. And so we have to understand, again, the context. The Hebrew people connected to a holy God that they knew as Yahweh. And, and, and God, Yahweh, was a, a, a distinct God from all other gods that were known to mankind. And the people of Israel were a very distinct people, separated, set apart for a very specific God the one and only God, the true God. And so their desperation to know this God, to know God the Father was deep. It was deeply embedded into the religion. It was deeply embedded into their practice. And it still is for the Jews to this day. I mean, the, the, many of the, of the Orthodox Jews, I mean, they live out their religion probably, not probably, as us Christians should. It's a lifestyle. It's not a religion. It's their connection to God, Yahweh. I mean, what they eat, what they drink, what they wear, everything is determined by God. What day they worship, what day they don't worship, how far they do this, how far they do that. I mean, honestly, the, the observance, the observances that they observe, for us, is like, man, they're just crazy. <laughs> but to them... It's what they've known, and it's who they've known because of what we see in the Old Testament. And we, 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 we can definitely say there's something missing because the person of Jesus has not been revealed yet for, for the Jews. But I want us to know, as we're connecting with the, with the Father in this series, this was their deep desire. They wanted to know God. It's like we see in Exodus 33 when, when Moses said, Lord, Show me your glory. He said, I want, to, I want to see you. I want to see the fullness of who you are. I don't want to just see a part of you. I've already seen the burning bush, but that wasn't you. That was you revealed through a burning bush. I want to see you. And then we know what happens. God kind of shows him just the backside of him. And then Moses' body lit up like a glowworm, and they had to put a veil over his entire being because he was radiating the glory of God. When we see God, when we know God, we are transformed. Philip wanted to see God like this, right? He said, if, if you just show us the Father, if you could just show us the Father, then we will be satisfied. That's all we want, Jesus. And then listen to what Jesus says, friends. Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work, listen, friends, through me. I'm going to simplify this passage real quick. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Let's take it deeper. If you know me, then you know 
the Father. Jesus was the exact representation of who God the Father was here on earth. Jesus came to be not just a reflection of who he is, he came to show us exactly who he was. He was the exact representation of who God the Father is. And so when we know Jesus, then we know the Father. When we don't know the Father, then we can come up to the conclusion that maybe we don't know Jesus. Because if we knew Jesus, then we would know the Father. And this is how it works itself out, friends. If you trust Jesus, then you can trust the Father. If you have faith in Jesus, then you can have faith in the Father. But sometimes there's things in this connection with, with our holy God that, that bring some hindrances to that connection to who he is. We have to know that Jesus came to this earth to put us back in right relationship with God. And if you believe that, say amen. This was his primary objective, right? Coming to earth was to reveal God the Father to us so that we would know who the Father is. The break in relationship between God and man had been so severe, friends, that even those who endeavored to practice right religion, I mean, as I said, they were practicing all of the right things. They were observing all of the religious orthodoxies. They found themselves disconnected from a holy God, even though they were doing all the right things. Yet they had no true revelation of God's fathering nature, right? Their religion told them that God was, was Elohim. I'm going to use some, some names of God. Um, Elohim was a, a name that kind of represents, the, like we say, God or Lord, right? It, it's, it's kind of a, a, a generic for the, the in, in, in Hebrew, it's kind of a generic form of God when you hear Elohim. Um, pr- prior to this, Moses used um, Elohim or El Shaddai. So the, these are the, the names of God that were generally used until Moses asked God to tell him who he is. And then God Almighty says this, friends. He says, I am. And, and this, this, this I am is a powerful thing. And it, it just, it sounds, in English, it sounds just silly. It's kind of like Popeye. I am, I am what I am. Or what, what was that Popeye saying, right? right? I mean, just in English, it doesn't translate at all. It, it, it just seems like we're, I am, listen, friends, self-sustaining, in need of nothing, omnipotent, all-powerful, I am and it's, 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 far, it's conveyed far greater in Hebrew. So when Moses goes to tell the people, when they're like, okay, who did God say he is? <laughs> Moses couldn't even say the word I am. He, he couldn't translate in the Hebrew. It was still too holy for him to say, well, God said I am. That was too, still too holy for him to say, so he had to say it kind of in the third person. So it would be like kind of saying, well, who did God say he is? And so he had to say, well, God said that he is, but he had to use a different form of this, of this name. 
And this is where we get the name Yahweh, right? So what God said to, to Moses was, asher which translate I am what I am, or even a, 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 a probably deeper is I will be what I will be, right? This is, this is that word. But Moses couldn't say all that. So in Exodus 3.14, he uses I am in the third person, and it's spelled like this in the Hebrew, Y-H-W-H. There's no, there's no vowel sounds. And it's this powerful thing, friends. God says that he is Y-H-W-H. And I want you to hear this because some scholars believe that this sounds like the very breath we take. Just close your eyes for a second. I'm going to try to get close to my mic. Y-H. W-H. Yahweh. The living God. This powerful breath of life. This is who God is. This is what Moses revealed to the people in Exodus. He is Yahweh, right? And so just understanding this name is too holy to, to say. It was even too holy to write. I mean, there would, sometimes they would just put signs as they were, even the manuscripts that you see of the Old Testament, they wouldn't even write the name. It's too holy to, to even scribe. This is a revelation when you know who God is, right? And these vowels were added so that it can be a little more phonetically pleasing to, to you know, English speakers, obviously. Um, but it, it first happened in, in the Latin because the Bible got translated from Greek and Hebrew into the Latin. And so vowels were needed. A, or sorry, yeah, A and E were added. Some scholars believe A was added because it's, it's um, Adonai and E was added because it's Elohim. So we got Yahweh, which I just described to you. But then when it was translated into the, into the Latin, there's no Y in the Latin language. And so it couldn't be Yahweh, and so we get the J that came up. And then you get the J-H-W, which sounds like a V-H, and now we have Jehovah. And so this is where the name Jehovah comes from. Connected. Same name, same meaning, but they can be lost in translation where we're just becoming students of phonetics. And listen, friends, and we are not connected to the person of God. Are you with me? Okay, so if you grew up in Protestant church, how many of you heard the word Jehovah a lot? I mean, it, when I was a kid, you had to learn all the names of Jehovah. Did, did anybody do any of that ever, right? And so you had like Jehovah Nisi, the Lord my banner, Jehovah Ra'a, the Lord, my shepherd. We had a, a German shepherd. We named him Ra'a. We won't talk about him, though. Um, we, had, um, we had Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. We had Jehovah Shama, the Lord is there. The Lord is present. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord, our righteousness. Jehovah Mekadesh, the Lord who sanctifies you. Jehovah Jireh, we know this one. Jehovah Jireh. You know, right, that's, that's the old Jireh song. You guys probably know Jaira. All right. Um, 
the Lord will provide. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. Jehovah Sabbat, the Lord of hosts or the Lord of heaven's armies. Listen, these were all characteristic, but I want you to hear this, friends, of a father's nature. You see, if we, if we take all of these and, and they're individual things and we just say, okay, well, God is, 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 is a banner of protection and, and God is, is the shepherd and God is he who heals and God is there and present. God is righteous and God um, is holy. God is a provider. God is peaceful. God is the commander. If we, if we take these names as just attributes then we say, okay, God carries those things. But when we are connected relationally to this holy God, we know that he is not one of these things. He is all of these things because he is father. Because isn't that a good father? Is, isn't a good father a protector? Isn't a good father a shepherd, a healer? Isn't a good father present? Isn't a good father righteous? Isn't a good father holy and set apart? Isn't a good father provider? Isn't a good father peaceful? Isn't a good father a commander of an army who's willing to set an army to fleet on your behalf? You see, this is where sometimes the ministry of connecting people to God the Father gets rough. And I'll tell you why. Um, I, I've, I've had this conversation in kind of leadership circles, some of it in, in some of my seminary training, some of it just with partnering pastors and friends and just understanding where and how we're called. And how many of you know that where you're called matters? And how many of you know that the context of where you minister and the people you minister sometimes come with different baggage or different responsibility? Can I say that? Right? So you guys would agree that a, a pastor in East LA would have different responsibility than a pastor on Skid Row. And so when, when, when you're on Skid Row and you're trying to minister to a people and telling them that God is Jehovah Jireh, how hard is it going to get them to have that revelation? Are you with me, friends? You guys get what I'm saying? Jehovah Jireh, my provider. We're trying to tell that the minister to the people on Skid Row that God is provider. How many of you know you have, you have an uphill challenge to get people to have that revelation, Right? Now, when we, when we speak about God the Father, we, we also have to understand what this means to us. Because in the demographic that we minister in and where we are at, just think about this. The, the fatherlessness in America is about one in four um, children grow up without a father. Across America, one in four. For... Black Americans, it's about 56%. For Hispanic Americans, or Hispanics at large in America, it's about 32%. And for the rest of the demographic, it's about 21%. So where you minister matters. So just like it was hard to minister, it would be hard to minister in Skid Row about Jehovah Jireh, Think about 
ministering into black neighborhoods, Hispanic neighborhoods, and trying to connect them to God the Father. Trying to connect them to a, a God who wants to reveal himself to them. Listen, friends, as Father. I'm not trying to get into cycle babble here. I'm trying to get into healing because, friends, if we don't know God as Father, we are going to struggle with almost everything that Jesus has done. Because he came to reveal the Father to us. He came, listen, friends, John 3, 16, because God so loved the world that he gave his son. Our father loved us so much that he gave his son. Does that compute to us as a people? When reading the Old Testament, listen, friends, Christians can very easily separate ourselves from, from the Jewish narrative, right? Oh, that was the Jews, that was them. Um, but listen, friends, this isn't a narrative when we're speaking about the God of the Old Testament. It's, it's a historical account of a holy God endeavoring to regain the affections of a holy people, a set-apart people. And maybe you don't identify with, with you know, Jewish people. Um, I, I personally have 2% Jewish in me according to my DNA results, just so you guys know. Um, some of you might have too. Vanessa does as well. Um, so I, I absolutely identify with all of this. Um, maybe you don't identify with a Jewish culture. But listen, friends, like it or not, like it or not, we are connected um, to this historical, spiritual, biblical, and God-chosen, listen, friends, continuance of the Israelite faith. These names of God, it's Yahweh, Elohim, Adonai, all of the characteristics of Jehovah were all in a package to reveal a heavenly father to a people. And because of Jesus, that went beyond just the set-apart Israelite people. It went to all mankind. And this is what makes it powerful. This is what makes it accessible. This is why the revelation of God the Father is so important to us as a people. And, and whether or not we, we had a, a good earthly father or, or even an earthly father at all, it should make no difference because the healing that comes, that sozo, healed, saved, and delivered when we accept Jesus brings us into this right relationship with the holy God that we get to call Father. Romans chapter 8, if you guys have your Bibles, I would love for you guys to turn there. I'm going to read 17 verses. I'm going to walk us through some foundational things that the Apostle Paul uh, writes here. You have heard me use this passage in the past. Um, I don't want you to dismiss it because you've heard it. I want you to soak it all up for what it, what it is. Verse 1 says this, So now there is no condemnation. Say no condemnation. There's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. How many of you belong to Christ Jesus? If you do, say amen. So then there's no longer condemnation on you. Or is there? There is no longer any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That is something to celebrate. 
We are no longer condemned because of Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. I want you to close your eyes. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin and death. Friends, take a breath. It is this God. It is this God who gave you life. It isn't just Yahweh, a name that we can't say because it's so holy. It is the very breath of God that brings dead things back to life. And we are brought to life by what? By a father. You have been given life by your heavenly father. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weaknesses of our sinful nature. So this is going back. They knew all of those names of God. They knew all of his attributes. They knew everything that God could do because they seen it with their eyes, but there was a disconnection. They kept falling back into sin. They kept falling back into idolism. They kept falling uh, 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 to the wayside from a, a holy God. But because of what Jesus did, listen, friends, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of their sin. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his one son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. This was the father's plan. This was the father's plan. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead, listen, friends, we follow the Spirit. I'm telling you, you can't separate any of these. God, Father, the Spirit, they're all at work here. Verse 5, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. So when you let your sinful nature control your mind, this leads to death. The very thing that Jesus, God came to give you was breath and life. But letting your spirit, be, um, spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Isn't that powerful? Verse 7, for the sinful nature is always hostile towards God. Let me say that again. Sinful nature is always hostile towards God. Let me do a pause here. And this is why you must be born again. And in order to be born again, something has to die. And the first thing that died was Jesus the Son, the perfect perpetuation for all sins. He was given as a perfect sacrifice, holy, without spot or blemish. He died so that our sinful nature could die. And once that thing died, now we can be born again. Now we can be born again. Jesus said you must be born again. And in order to be born again, there comes a new identity with re rebirth. 
Can you say amen to that? And this is what the Apostle Paul is leading to right here. Let it, um, verse 7, For the sinful nature is always hostile toward God, and it never did obey God's laws, and it never will. Until you are born again, until God is your father, your sinful nature never will obey God. It won't. Verse 8, that's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. It's impossible. It's like running in place with all you have, with all the amount of energy and never getting anywhere. And I'm telling you, friends, you have to be born again. You have to take on this new identity, and that identity comes from your heavenly Father. Verse 9, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. And now the Apostle Paul is starting to speak prophetically over this church. But you're not controlled by your sinful nature. And I'm going to tell you that, Restoration LA. If you have received Jesus Christ as Lord, if you have answered that call to salvation, then you're not controlled by your sinful nature. So stop acting like you are. You're not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, and remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. I mean, these are powerful truths. Verse 10, and Christ lives within you. Say that with me. Christ lives within me. Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you, say life. Life because you have been made right with God. You've been made right with God. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. Think of that breath, friends. Think of Yahweh. The spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead, I'm getting excited and losing my place, lives in you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that lives in you, lives in me. That should be mind-blowing to you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. And verse 12, here it comes, friends, therefore. So because of all of those verses, those verse 12, those first 11 verses, therefore, or you can read it like this, because of everything I just said, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. None. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. I know you're like, why are you talking about sin? I thought we were talking about the Father. Hold on. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. God is your father. So you have not received, listen, friends, the spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Let's do a pause there. Fearful slaves. Those who practice religion. Those who have mandates on their life that they can never, never accomplish. It's like a rat race. That religion that, that leads to nowhere, that religion that, that doesn't lead to life, that just, just trying, to, trying to work for God, trying to work for God to gain his approval. This, this isn't 
This isn't the picture of a father. You are children of God. You have not received a spirit of slavery. To where you're living in fear, you have actually received a spirit of what? Adoption. A spirit of adoption to now we are children of God. Instead, you have received the spirit of adoption when he adopted you as his own children. And now we get to call him, listen, friends, Abba. Abba. Not that Swedish band, whatever that is. That, they were Swedish? Yeah, were they? Yeah. I love it in Hebrew. The best thing we have is daddy. And that could still seem a little playful. This is intimate. Maybe Spanish does a little help. Papi. It's intimate. When your little girl says, Papa, we just, it's, it's, it's a closest, it's intimacy. It, there's connection. We get to call him Abba. This is what we get to call him. We get to call him, him, him Father because of this resurrected life that we receive. We've been born again because of what Jesus did. So we're no longer living out our old identity. We're living out our new identity in him. But I still see so many children of God walking around with orphan spirits. With the lack of identity, not knowing who they are, not knowing who their father is. And if, 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 if you've ever met an orphan spirit, and you'll know when you meet an orphan spirit, there's just such lack of identity. There's just such insecurity when you don't know who your father is. When, when you haven't had a father in the home, friends, when you look at the statistics for our community, the community that we serve, the statistics that are set against them because they don't have a father in the home, they're staggering. More likely to end up in prison, more likely to end up on drugs, more likely to not graduate school, more likely, I mean, just go down the line. They're more likely, more likely because they don't have a father. And I'm telling you, this is what happens in the spirit because people don't know who their father is. They start so far behind the line that getting them to just a revelation that God is your father, he's your Abba, he wants to be your everything. You have complete access to him. And they're just like, well, I'll just take Jehovah Jireh. He is so much more. You've received God's spirit when he adopted you. His spiritual DNA has been breathed into you. This is your father. It's identity. It's washing. It's powerful. When you think of what, what happened when Jesus was baptized, the Bible says that the heavens opened up and the spirit of the living God fell in, in the form of a dove, and it came and rested on Jesus. And then a voice from heaven, friends, and this is, this is, this is powerful. Prophetic words had, had begun to flow again when, when Jesus uh, stepped onto the scene again. We had um, um, John the Baptist, and, and God began to, like, stir Elizabeth. And, I mean, all, I mean, we start seeing prophetic words, but the audible voice of God had not been heard because the dark ages had set in, and the audible voice of God broke in on earth again. And he says, this is my son. This is my son 
in whom I am well pleased. And I'm telling you, friends, Jesus hadn't done a thing yet. He hadn't walked on water. He hadn't healed the person. He hadn't started his ministry. He hadn't done anything. This is my son and whom I'm well pleased. And I'm telling you, friends, the day you say yes to God, the day that you are born again, the day that you repent and you answer the call of salvation, the same thing happens. Adoption, those adoption papers are signed and God from heaven it breaks open and says, this is my son. This is my daughter. This is your identity. This is who you are. This is how you get to walk now. And there's so many of us Christians who are limping along not knowing who our father is. And this is what Jesus came to do. He came to reveal our heavenly father to us so that we're not walking around insecure, so that we're not walking around without identity, so that we're not walking around like our old person. We've been born again. His spirit has joined with our spirit. There's a grafting that takes place. Have you guys ever done grafting where you like tie um, like two fruit tree limbs? Lewis has probably done a bunch of this stuff. Um, Lewis, Lewis and Joe, <laughs> we, we went ministering out into the community and then they met, um, was she from Thailand? Vicky's neighbor? I mean, and so they see this beautiful fruit tree and, and Lewis uh, and Joe are like, you know, they're arborists. I mean, I'll, at least I'll tell them that because everything I touch, that's, it dies. So these guys are good at that stuff. Anyway, she had this beautiful tree and they're like, man, this is on. They got, I mean, she was telling them the whole story. It was awesome. She went inside, got her pictures, and it was cool. Um, anyways, when you get these two limbs from a, from, a, from a tree, if you get an orange tree and a lemon tree, and you put their limbs together, and you tie them real tightly, like real, real, real tightly, eventually these two things merge. And, they, and they, they, don't, they don't have two threads of DNA. They become one. And it's not, I don't know if it's called DNA. Maybe you guys can tell me. But now it produces a whole different kind of fruit. It's no longer a lemon. It's no longer an orange. It's now this one thing. And this is what happens when we get grafted into our Father. When we get grafted, right, our spirit becomes one. We are grafted together. And then it says this, for his spirit joins with your spirit, listen to this, friends, to affirm that we are God's children. This affirms that we are God's children. You're God's kid. He is your father. And you, and, and you have to walk around with this revelation. He is your father. It's the most heartbreaking thing. And, and you guys might know my father. I honor my father. I love my father. But for the first five years of my life, I had no idea who my father was. I met my dad on Whittier Boulevard outside of Montgomery Wards in Pico Rivera. And the first question I ever heard was from him was, is this my son? That's marking. That's marking. You think of a kid who doesn't, now listen, friends, I love my father, we're, we're good. Took a lot of healing from God. But to not know who your father is, I mean, to just think like, I, I, I remember being a five-year-old kid and, and my my meeting other men, not knowing, is that him? Is that him? It could, it could create an anxious 
thing in a kid. As children of God, we, we don't have that. And we need to stop living like we do. You know who your father is. Philip says, Jesus, if you would just show us a father, we'll be satisfied. And Jesus says, do you not know who the father is yet? You've seen him. You've seen him in me. That's all I've come to do is show him to you. Do you not know who your father is? When you know your father, it brings identity. It brings security. Man, it brings faith. It brings hope, it brings love, it brings blessings when you know who your father is. Friends, are you a child of God? And if you are, are you walking like you're a child of God? Because according to the Apostle Paul in this eighth chapter of Romans, what he says, when you're walking like you're not a child of God, it looks very different from when you are. And this isn't about the sin thing. I mean, it has a whole lot of ramifications around sin, but when your lifestyle looks like it's engulfed in sin and then you're not reflecting your father's nature, what that is saying is that you are not, you don't have a revelation of who your father really is. Because if you were born again, then you would start living like your father. Are you with me? If you are a child of God and if he is Abba to you, are you living like he is your father? I want to read this passage and I'll close with this. For 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 through 18, this is again the Apostle Paul speaking to the church in Corinth, which was a very messed up church. <laughs> if you've ever read these two books, I mean, some of the things that this church was slipping in and out of was pretty hectic. And so I think uh, we're doing pretty good as a church, if you ask me. Um, he says this. And I'm jumping right into it, so go back and read all of it, but I want to pull something out of this. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. Now, for context, this does not mean don't have friends that are unbelievers. This doesn't mean that you can't be a light and hang with those who are unbelievers because you're trying to reach them. What this is saying is don't be yoked to unbelievers. What does being yoked to unbelievers mean? That means that you have pitched your, tra your train to their wagon. That's the right kind of saying. That's what it means. Don't, be, don't hit your, your train to unbelievers' wagons. Doesn't mean we cut off relationships. Doesn't mean we don't love them. Doesn't mean we don't connect with them. But if you are headed in the same direction as them, you're going to the wrong place. You with me? How can righteousness be a partner with the wickedness? And how can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? This is the contrast that the Apostle Paul is giving to the church. Listen, there's this way and there's this way. And we don't want to mix the ways. And I think what has happened, unfortunately, why we see so many orphan spirits within the life of the church is because they mix the ways. They have not subscribed to who their father truly is. Verse 16, and what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God said. This is the prophetic words of God. I will live in them, and I will walk among them. I want you to think of the Genesis account. God's original intent was to be a father to his creation. But because of sin, God had to... 
He had to pull back into the heavenlies and allow us to wallow in this darkness that we allowed in. I will live in them and I will walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you. In verse 18, and I will be your father and you will be my sons and my daughters, says, listen, friends, the Lord Almighty. This is our God. This is our God, and he has always wanted to be our father. He's always revealed himself as a father, but there was all this sin and darkness that had to be made straight, and so there was all these things that God had to put in place, and guess what? We could never measure up. Our sinful nature could never overcome this darkness that we allowed into this world, and then Jesus came, and because Jesus came, we have received a spirit of adoption, and now we get to call him Abba. Will you? Do you? Can you? Because he wants to breathe life into you. And when you're born again, you take on a whole new persona. You take a whole new spiritual DNA. Your identity gets washed. You become, you get a reset. I mean, if you just ever just thought, I just wish I could start over. Guess what? You can. You can. Well, I tried yesterday. We'll try it again today. This is what grace is. And there's oceans of it. We sing it. We sing the song. There's oceans of it. Oceans of it. Because your father loves you. Your father loves you. Can you guys close your eyes? I'm not sure how many of you have struggled to connect with the holy God as father. but I know there was many years that I did because of my, my, my pain. But if I'm also honest, because of my sin. And there's an answer for both. There's an answer for both. And his name is Jesus. And when we accept Christ into our lives. We accept the call to salvation. That word salvation used, I've, I've told you guys in the past, the Greek word is sozo. It means we're healed, we're saved, and we're delivered. And we become born again. And our sp spiritual DNA is transformed, and we are no longer slaves. We're no longer slaves to sin, and guess what? We're no longer slaves to the law. We become children of God. And we get to call him Abba. And this is a relationship that God wants for you. It's this kind of deep said that he wants you to have a deep connection with. It's not this religious thing. It's not this check the box thing. This is you being free to be a child of God. And it changes everything, friends. You'll never be the same. Life will blow into your very lungs. If you don't believe that you've connected with God in this way, I would just love for you to just stand where you are because I think God wants to minister to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you do anything strange. I, I just want the Lord to minister to you. Pam, can you help me out? I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not even saying that you haven't experienced the Father's love. What I'm saying is maybe there's a disconnect. 
And if that's you, just stand and we're just going to allow your Father to minister to you today. So, if you have faith to do that, go ahead. Thank you, Lord.
perfection of your Father. There's no lack in you. There's no endless resource in you. You, or there's no finite resource in you. You are Don't forget, Tuesday, 7 p.m., great time for you, and I'll uh, see you guys soon. Have a great week, guys. Oh, sorry, offering. Sorry, see? I'm a bad pastor. I'm a bad pastor. All right, uh, hey, we are going to take the offering. We are going to honor our Father with our finances. Um, cool. Lord, we, we give to you freely. We give to you because you are a good God. We give to you because... You are Jehovah Jireh, our provider, and you've only asked for a portion, a small, what could seem significant, but it's just a portion of what you've blessed us with. And so we give to you freely because we love you. So as you guys give, you guys can give electronically there. And um, you can also give uh, Adrian standing in the back. He has a basket. If you brought a physical offering, you can drop it there. Uh, and, yeah. And just please know that, uh, man, God is, is continuously faithful to us and, he uses us um, to see that faithfulness go through the life of, of his church and his kingdom. So uh, be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.